Voices are exotic dancers enter one by one. Make love to all of your orifices in your seduction. Hello and welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Today I wanted to do something different, and I wanted to share with you a letter that I wrote for my grandmother in 2016. Now, this was a Christmas letter. I probably could have made it at any time of your letter, but I tend to do something nice for her on Christmas, and I wanted to give this to her because she said something to me that was very troubling at one point. She said that she was an awful sinner. And she said that she didn't even deserve any kind of comfort and that she essentially was somebody that should just be thrown into the corner and left. I can't help but think that this was due to a 60 plus year marriage with my grandfather, who was verbally very abusive person and just not very generally fun to be around. Uh, He had his moments, don't get me wrong, uh, where he could be a nice guy and where people liked him very much. I certainly had long periods of time where I enjoyed his company, especially after I became an adult. And engaged with him in an adult way, uh, but he was also incredibly negative and could be very demeaning to my grandmother. So I wrote her this letter, uh, recognizing some of her personal limitations as far as her understanding of the world, her understanding of science, for instance, and I wanted to try and inspire her. And now I'm going to try to inspire you. It's called The Gospel. 2016. It says, and it reads the following. So it says, this year I wanted to do something different, something that would lift your spirits and engage you directly. My hope is that you will recognize the truth that we have come to know over the millennia and accept it as the good news. Hence the name, the gospel, 2016. So imagine an endless darkness, a void that goes on for eternity. As a point of reference, tuck your head under your blankets in the deep of the night and simply stare into the darkness. This void knows no limit in any one direction. Now imagine that you are the planet Earth, hurling through this endless darkness, all the while spinning at 1,040 miles per hour. Think of it. Go stand out in the yard under your favorite tree, the big one in the back, for one minute. No easy task for somebody with so much energy. In that minute, you'll have traveled 17 miles through space just because of the spinning of the Earth. Now consider that the Earth is orbiting the Sun at 1,110 miles per hour. The sun is orbiting a supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy at 515,000 miles per hour. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, is traveling through space at 1.3 million miles per hour. So now go back to your favorite spot under that big tree in the backyard and stand perfectly still for one minute. In that minute, you'll have traveled a total of 30,284.5 miles miles through space. Now consider size and scale for a moment. Your fist is roughly three to four inches in diameter. The earth is roughly 7,917 miles in diameter. That means that the earth is 125,405,280 times bigger than your fist. Now consider that our sun is 1.3 million times larger than the earth. The sun orbits, as we said, a supermassive black hole, which is 20 billion times larger than our sun. This supermassive black hole provides enough gravity to attract over 200 billion stars. Those 200 billion stars, one of them being our sun, make up the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way is 100,000 light years across. That means that it takes light 
the fastest thing in the universe, a hundred thousand years to travel from one end of the Milky Way to the other. Light travels at 670,616,629 miles per hour. So just imagine how far light travels in a year. Now times that number by a hundred thousand. I did the math on a calculator, but the number is so big that I didn't even include it in this letter just to save space. Now get ready because the punchline is staggering. There are over a hundred billion galaxies, just as big as ours, in the universe. I know what you're thinking, that this just can't be, but it is. We have seen it in our telescopes, and you can see Andromeda, our closest neighboring galaxy, with binoculars in the night sky. Those pictures I sent you are proof of this good news. All this is happening just above your head every minute of every day. This is our current situation. Now I'm going to pause here for a second. I sent her probably a dozen or so high definition pictures of different galaxies. The Sombrero Galaxy, Andromeda, and so on. Really beautiful Hubble images. So that's what that was referring to when I said the pictures I sent you. So back to the letter. Okay, let's consider time for a moment. Our sun is a medium-sized star that formed due to the gravity of hydrogen particles pressing so hard inward that they ignited into flame. The accretion of our sun occurred some 4.5 billion years ago and is about halfway through its life. In another 5 billion years, it will explode, changing our solar system and all its planets forever. Life will no longer be possible on Earth as we know it today. Humans have been alive for about 5 million years, barely even registering in time on the cosmic timescale. If you consider that the universe began 14.7 billion years ago, that means that it took 10 billion years for our sun to form. Just a mere 500 million years later, life first sprang forth on our planet. Finally, after 4 billion years of evolution, we find the first humans. So here we are, accomplished enough to understand our true place in the universe in size, scale, speed, and time. When you consider all that I have just mentioned, you might ask, where did all this come from? Well, amazingly, and for the first time in human history, or perhaps the history of the entire universe, we've gathered enough evidence to form a picture of just how this happened. Let's take humans as our starting point. Where did we come from? Well, the short answer is from our mothers. Thank you, by the way. Through your efforts, my life has been possible. Without your union with Irvin, that's my grandfather's name, a strange thought now that he's gone forever, I would never have evolved. In order to fully answer this question, though, we must look further and farther back into time, past my mother and you and your mother and your mother's mother, etc., until we get to some of our more distant relatives. Did you know there are over 18 different species of human? I'm defining human here as apes that walk on two feet. The one we know most about is obviously ourselves, Homo sapiens. However, there are many, many more. You've heard of Neanderthals, correct? We found out just recently that we share up to 4% of our genes with these lost ancestors. In contrast, I get half of my genes from my mom and the other half from my dad. That means that you and I share a quarter of our genes. You are my common ancestor with Dane and Devin and Bryce, etc. Those are my cousins, by the way. All your grandchildren carry one quarter of your genes. That was a side note, though. The 4% that we share with Neanderthals means we interbred with them for millennia. They were our cousins in evolutionary terms. They weren't the only ones, though. I bet you haven't heard of Homo erectus or Homo habilis. These were our most ancient ancestors that lived up to 2.5 million years ago. They gave rise to us sometime during their nearly 2 million year existence. Think of it like this. Today, we have many Romance languages. Spanish, Italian, French, Portuguese. All four of these languages evolved from common language, Latin. While Latin has gone extinct, its offspring 
offspring have lived on in four different species. During this process, there was no Latin-speaking mother that gave birth to a Spanish-speaking daughter. The changes occurred over vast amounts of time and due to geographical separation. The folks that moved to Spain evolved Latin into Spanish. Those that migrated to France evolved Latin into French, and so on. The modern Romance languages could be considered genus species just like Homo sapiens. So where in place of genus we have Latin instead of Homo, and in place of species we have French instead of sapiens. Below are some interesting artist renditions created from the fossils unearthed over the decades. These are only for the genus Homo. There are three other known genuses, each with at least three other species. Now, I include pictures of Neanderthals. These are pictures, by the way, that the Smithsonian published. They had uh, artists come in and make casts of the bones and then add musculature and organs and hair and skin and eyes and everything to those casts of those bones, just like they do in movies when they, you know, make a person's face. There's Homo florensiensis, one species you should definitely look up because they're very interesting little creatures. Homo erectus, probably our most ancient ancestor in the, in the genus Homo. There's Homo heidelbergensis. And then finally, or maybe not finally, but there's Homo rudolfensis. Now, Homo rudolfensis may in fact be the most ancient species. As you go back in time, they look more and more and more like chimpanzees. Lastly, in the pictures anyway, there's Homo habilis at least for the species Homo. Now, I have a caption here and I include it that says, these pictures are in reverse chronological order. As you can see, the further back in time you go, the more we look like modern apes, specifically chimpanzees and bonobos. Take a look at this artist's rendition of our oldest known human ancestor, which by the way, is not in the genus Homo. It's, <laughs> I'm gonna butcher this name, I'm so sorry, Sehelanthropus uh, chedensis. And it's a picture of that and it looks almost exactly like a chimp. And I say under it, I say, now one thing to note here is is that Sahelanthropus chedensis walked on two legs just like we do. So they were human. However, look at the resemblance to the other non-human apes below. And there's a picture of a modern day chimp and a picture of a modern day bonobo. The letter goes on. So it is true that we have a common ancestor with the other modern apes, just like Devin and I, Devin is one of my cousins, just like Devin and I have a common ancestor, you. I say the other modern apes because we're also modern apes. Interestingly enough though, it doesn't stop there. That is just one example of common ancestry of which there are many. So where does this all lead? Even more amazingly, our ancestry can be linked back even further. Did you know that we have a common ancestry with a carrot? It's true. The evidence leads all the way back to the beginning of life on this planet some 4 billion years ago. We don't know exactly how life started on the planet, but we do know that it occurred from non-living material. There have been amazing experiments in laboratories showing how this is possible. I can send you more letters if you like, detailing these findings in the future. For now, let's get back to the gospel 2016. To take a break here for a second, she never did request any further correspondence, <laughs> so she didn't take me up on my offer. But let's get back to the letter. If you read carefully, you'll notice one very important fact. Nowhere in the evidence do we see anything that indicates the existence of God. You once told me on a phone call that you were a terrible sinner, just like everybody else. And this troubled me greatly and inspired me to write you this letter. In order for it to be true that you are a terrible sinner, there must be a God. In fact, the only way for you to be a terrible sinner is if God does exist and is waiting to judge you. The real good news here is that from all that we can tell, by looking at all the evidence known, there is absolutely no reason to think that there is a God that created us, made us in such a way that we are destined to sin, arranged a universe where the laws are such that we commit sins and eventually are judged by that God for those sins. So you can breathe a sigh of relief. 
There's no reason to think that you are awaiting your judgment. There's no reason to think you have sinned. You are not a terrible sinner. You're not a wretch. The message you've been told over the decades that you are a wretched sinner just isn't true. In fact, you are a wonderful person, one who gave rise to many other wonderful people, who then gave rise to even more wonderful people. One of them is me. You were not created. You, in fact, evolved from a long line of life that gave rise to all the rest of the life that we see on this marvelous planet. From each individual leaf on every tree to the birds in the skies, we all are part of the same progression of life on this planet. What a wonderful thought that is. How wonderful it is to be alive, especially in this time when we can discover the facts of reality all around us and come to conclusions about them. Now that you know all of this, what will you do with this information? Will you still consider yourself a terrible sinner? Can you find your way out of that mindset and into one that is supported with evidence? The truth is that you are a delightful human being, a grandmother and a life giver. I'm evidence of that truth. You have an amazing amount of energy that you share with so many people around you and you and I have a very special relationship. Sometimes I feel like we are as close as sisters who get along famously. I'm not saying that you haven't made mistakes or done things you regret. We all have done that. However, the idea that you are a terrible person because you are filled with sin just isn't true. There is no evidence for that and plenty of evidence to the contrary. I hope that this letter finds you in good spirits and lifts you to even greater heights and, of course, brings a smile to your face. I also hope that it leads to further conversation on this topic. There is much I have to share with you. And it's a joy for me to do so. I love you, Grandma. And then I signed it, Paul Schilling. Now, that letter, to my knowledge, she didn't read. <laughs> um, maybe, perhaps, she has read it since then. She is, after all, still alive, and she claims that she still has the letter. She did say that she looked at the pictures and thought that the people in there looked ugly, which is sort of funny because I don't know how that has anything to do with what I just said. <laughs> but you could probably sense that there's a little bit of disappointment in my voice. And I want you, as the listener, hopefully to be uplifted by that letter. Uh, I hope you realize that you're not a bad person. Not necessarily. You may do bad things sometimes and you may have, let's say, uh, psychological issues that you're dealing with or whatever that make you do bad things. But you're not innately, inherently bad due to original sin because of a God that created everything. If there's something wrong with you that makes you a bad person, there's a medical reason for that. There's a physiological element to that that can be studied and hopefully through science cured. So try and re-listen to what I just said and let it lift your spirits. We are, in fact, the universe evolving into something that recognizes that it's the universe. We're the universe's recognition of itself. And even though there are plenty of non-religious people out there that won't be able to offer you a message like the religious message, maybe you find religious messages uplifting, for instance, or, or comforting or whatever. I just think that's because some people are just short-sighted. While it is true that our significance in the universe seems very tiny when you consider the size, right? Humans are tiny compared to the Earth, and the Earth is tiny compared to our Sun, and the Sun is tiny compared to our galaxy, and our galaxy is tiny compared to our local group, and our local group is tiny compared to the filament that we are a part of in the grand scale of the universe. So in that way, yeah, it's insignificant, but we are the universe recognizing itself able to articulate what it is
is exactly that we are, where we are, exactly what we are. I'm going to give you a definition and an answer to the question, the, the timeless, ageless, big question. Who are we? That's going to be an episode all in of itself, but it's like a 30-word answer. It's so rich with content and information and classification. It is the fullest and most educated answer that we have for the question of who are we? I'm not going to give it to you right this second because it's a cliffhanger. I want you to keep listening. Listen for that episode. It'll be an episode there. It'll be in season three. When I answer the big questions, it'll also be in my book, The Bible 5.0, What You Absolutely Need to Know to Be Relevant. This letter could easily be in that book. Now, just to make sure I leave on a high note, we are incredibly incredibly important in the universe. Maybe we're not as significant as the sun in size or energy. Maybe we're not as significant as the galaxy in terms of longevity. But as far as we know, we are the only thing in the universe that has evolved to understand exactly what we are to such detail and to such a richness of language and understanding. I'm going to share more of that language and understanding with you in future episodes. Uh, But until then, thank you so much for listening. This has been Ear Seduction.